Hey friends, before we start the episode, I just want to say thank you so much for your patience. I've been a little distracted by uh, the World Cup and the holidays fast approaching, but I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. Stay tuned at the end where I share a little bit more about some extras from this episode. And don't forget, you can participate in the show by leaving a voicemail at www.speakpipe.com slash least important things or visiting our website at leastimportantthings.com and clicking the leave a voicemail button. You can email the show at leastimportantthings at gmail.com or reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Luke H. Ferris or least important things on Facebook. Okay, that's enough of me until you get some more of me. On with the episode. When my wife and I travel... The first locale we add to our saved Google Maps is a bookstore. Purveyors of bound paper, nerdy trinkets, and the occasional coffee are the centerpieces of a community's cultural hub. During a recent visit to Asheville, North Carolina, my wife and I hopped into one of their local bookstores called Malaprops, nestled right downtown on Hayward Street in the hippie tourist mountain town. The catch. This is what you picked? Absolutely crackles with smarts by Allison Fairbrother. Off-trend. Promising. Off-trend. That's what you look for. There's nothing quite like the smell of ink and the Pantone display of an aisle of books. It draws you in like a labyrinth, an entrapment of browsing. The original social media scroll. So, what are we captured by? The names, the titles, the jackets... The feeling of book covers. Welcome to a podcast called Least Important Things. I'm your host, Luke Ferris. Book sales have been on a winning streak lately. Not since the pre-Facebook and YouTube days of the early 2000s, when print was at its summit before its drastic descent, has the book publishing industry felt such a surge of popularity. According to Publishers Weekly, print volumes grew by almost double digits from 2020 to 2021. Forbes also reported that ebooks grew alongside the rise of print, citing Pew Research data that a third of Americans say they read both formats. It doesn't take much to follow the logical process, of the pandemic's influence on book reading, as well as book talk recommendations, Goodreads, virtual book clubs, and book review podcasts to show that books aren't as dead as previously proclaimed. Adult and YA fiction are the key drivers of the medium's return to the zeitgeist, and it's where we see the strongest trends and the most important piece of messaging and marketing for an author, the cover. My wife is a vivacious reader, breaking her goal of 54 books read by the end of the year. So I asked her, what actually entices her when she's looking for a new book to read? When you're looking for a book, what stands out to you? Like if you're just shopping like we are right now. Oh, just like looking at spines? Yeah. Um, titles? Because you know the titles. No, just like if something sounds interesting. Colors. Color. Because I feel like there's there's certain patterns you can see in especially books you like. Well, a lot of the times they have like a trendy design or style. Yeah, but I try to avoid those because <laughs> that just means they're fishing 
this is that a trend-setting cover. Yeah. I think I also look for something that's like sort of simple, like this caught my eye. There's not much going on, but I think the flight stands out. Let's pull it out. Stuck. Stuck. Like that's an awesome cover. Man or Mango by Lucy Elman. This is one, I haven't read this book yet. It's called The Devil House. Um, and the cover is exactly like 1950s, 1960s horror movies. So like, it, it almost looks like a movie poster. Mm. Like it looks like the... Yeah, it does. No, that draws me in. Vintage. Vintage, yes. Like this is like a top book right now. Yeah, in chemistry. Less in chemistry. And we got a Good Morning America book club. Yeah, I just read that, that book. That's okay. As an avid defender of the long form, I tend to romantically place books on my intellectual pedestal along fine art, revolutionary war artifacts, original Motown pressings, and film. But books, like any creative medium, are still a business. And making the cover that you scroll by on a best-of-the-year list or the vendor kiosk at the airport is a complex and collaborative process. To learn more about book covers and their influence, I decided to reach out to a book cover expert. Meg Schmidt is an art director at publisher HarperCollins. The way I kind of describe it is I'm a liaison between publisher, author, and designer, really seeking to get everyone's best interests in a visual representation of what the book is. The way that I think about a book cover is that it's the visual thesis of the book. Museums talk about when the average person is going through an art museum, they will spend three seconds looking at each piece of art. That's in a museum, right? And maybe they'll stop if they see one they really, really like, but on average, you have three seconds to make an impression. So let's think about that in a bookstore where you're surrounded by thousands of different books or in an online format, right? Maybe you're scrolling on Amazon or whatever your bookseller is going to be. You're scrolling faster than three seconds, I can tell you, right? So, I mean, how are you going to make an impression? Ultimately, I have, I mean, less than three seconds, really, to tell you what this book is about and to tell you why you should buy it. What a book cover is and why it's important is because it's a tool, it's a sales tool and it's a marketing tool, but it's your first entry into a book and it's the first part of a book that will tell you why this matters and why you should pick it up. I love the idea of a thesis. It's a visual thesis. So you're not writing a full thesis on the front cover, typically. So what goes into the thesis? What are like the mechanics of, of designing a, a book cover or just a book jacket or an entire book design? When I talk about a visual thesis for a book cover, I'm what I'm trying to say is like, is this communicating the right genre? So um, that can actually be really tricky with memoirs, especially with memoirs from a female perspective. Because if you put a person on a, a female person on a cover, if you don't show her face and if you're not doing things that make it very like this is a memoir, it can really quickly look like a uh, novel. 
especially if they're not they're not like rec- rec- they're not Michelle Obama. Exactly. Like Michelle, oh my gosh, she's I love her cover. Like, oh my goodness. It, it, it's pretty easy. Like she's recognizable, but if you're not, if it's a memoir, it, it's it's tricky. Well, and say like there's a person who's walking away in a in a farm setting, you know, right? Like even if, maybe it's a memoir. This is a book that's coming up for me. So maybe even if it was like this is a book about a woman who's living on a farm and who's trying to find ways to approach wellness and spirituality through like farm work if if she's maybe walking away and there's some gorgeous sun rays and there's like a cornfield in the back that can very quickly look like something that it's not supposed to be right so often when you're looking at memoirs non-fiction memoirs there's it's a photograph of someone who's looking you straight on um they their face is taking up a lot of the cover so that you're very sure oh this is who this is right this isn't a stock image this isn't someone who can be anyone this is like who the book is centering on Um, Another thing that can often happen is uh, if you have food on a cover or things that feel very, very like domestic, like you're in a kitchen or something like that, it will really quickly start to look like a cookbook, even if it's, um, you know, not supposed to. So, I mean, that's another thing that we've talked about sometimes where, um, you know, like people just want to have like, maybe they mention how much they love a, a certain kind of food and that's part, maybe even in the title. Well, that can just be something that we have to work on. Like, okay, so how do we communicate instantly in those less than three seconds that we have? This isn't a cookbook, this is a memoir, but you should like, th- this is what the memoir is saying. Yeah, it's almost like those, all the different genres can blend so quickly as soon as you change one thing. We were at a bookstore last weekend and you were talking about the idea of like a woman in a, in a field. Um, see this cut, the spine? Yeah. It's like exactly the same. I actually thought this was where the crowd had sing because it has a similar amount of words and the typeface is exactly the same. And the cover, the colors are exactly the same. When we had wings, where the crowd had sing. And there are two, two different, well, there are two different publishers, Harper and one's Putman. But they both are like orange yeah. with a silhouette of water and trees. Same colors. It's weird, right? And then you have like... Yeah, the faces. Well, we love like a woman in exasperation slash ecstasy. Like we don't know. But that was a best-selling novel and I think that's a copy. Yeah, so there's trends, successful ones they replicate. Yep. Interesting, right? I, wow, I have two feelings about this because one of my, my my first thought is like, we should all be original and we should absolutely push our books forward and like, you know, be trendsetters and, and absolutely. But also, it's a hard world out there and we have to sell books, dude. And if we know that that one book was successful and we have a book that is a comp title to that one. So basically, like if you liked Where the Crawdads Sing, you'll like this book. Okay, like so long as you're not exactly like copying it of course why can't you do something that's inspired by it because you know readers who picked up that book will also pick up this one there's safety in that right so yeah i mean i think there's there's absolutely a balance and like how much do we want to push a genre forward versus you know how much you know and, and be on top of trends or even be trendsetters versus like understanding all right but we really also i mean our bread and butter is we got to sell books right so why, you know, rock the boat when we can just do something that we know is very successful. That being said, obviously you do not want to copy 
what has happened before. Sometimes that can be tricky with authors because they'll see another cover that they absolutely love and they really just want that cover. And that's where you have to be like, well, we can maybe take this idea, this approach, something, but we have to remix it. As I was talking to Meg, I continued to wonder what makes a good book cover good. So I reached out to you and asked you about your favorite book covers. And here's what you said. Josie said, all the boys are blue. Dana said, the darkness outside us in City of Lost Souls. John said, when you were engulfed in flames. Kristen said, tattooist of Auschwitz in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Eliza said, looking for Alaska. Caitlin said, long way down. Tiffany said, big magic. Chris said, the entire category of old crappy westerns, like Louis L'Amour paperbacks. And Tucker said, book? Hmm. I appreciate the honesty, Tucker. As expected, what you said confirmed that there's really no universal good trait when it comes to a book cover. But I know, like you and me, there's a snap judgment of a book cover, whether we're instantly drawn to it or not. So what are the X's and O's behind what makes an effective book cover? Let's go back to my conversation with Meg, starting with color. There are definitely colors that I think certain designers kind of pull towards. I know that I really love blue and orange, and you can usually tell I'm designing a cover if there's a lot of blue and orange in it. Um, And I know it's a rut that I have, but I don't care. I think it can look so beautiful. Um, Those are complementary colors, though, right? So they, they work really well together. Color um, is obviously, though, more than just a designer's preference. What you, it's, it's also contributing to the visual thesis. So if it's a darker color, like even a black or a gray, that's communicating that this is very serious, very dour. If it's like bright bubblegum pink or even like a really bright gold yellow, I mean, it's really pointing towards hope and happiness. It's more of an ivory, maybe, or like a cream, maybe some sage greens. It's saying this is bright and hopeful, but there's some seriousness there. Colors obviously play into the design. Um, they, they are part of that visual thesis that I'm talking about, but they also are a print concern. I mean, color is just so much fun to play with and is and just even subtle changes can so completely change how this book is perceived by a prospective audience. So it's really fun to play with, but you really do need to think about branding and also like, how is this going to actually print out? Let's talk about font and spacing and design. There's obviously a lot of trends with font. One that, that I've noticed is obviously more of the like capitalized bold font. Um, but again, it's like we talked about, it's genre based, like every revolutionary war book has that same script, old fashioned font, like in every single one. So tell me like when you have discussions with authors, how does font play in to, to conveying that message? I think there are some really interesting trends that are playing out now. So you're, we're seeing a lot of really retro seventies fonts. So those like really those slab serifs, um, we're seeing those like everywhere. And what I like about though, that, that trend though, is that it's a way to really have heavy, bold type on a cover that isn't heavy Helvetica. You know what I mean? So one of the things that's really influencing our cover designs, it has really changed in the last like generation of designers is that now um, we're always thinking first and foremost, how does this show up online? 
and you know, even, and on a phone. Let's talk about trends. Let's talk about trends that you like or you're seeing that I think are successful, and then we'll talk about ones that you don't like. But let's start with the good trends you're seeing. The year lists are coming out, and it's so fun to just like go through those positive trends that I'm seeing are really what what will pop really well on Instagram. And part of that though is like, this is the kind of book that someone want to post about on Instagram. So they're really, really heavily, gorgeously illustrated. They're almost more art books, even if it's a novel. When you say Instagram, it could be like someone like could be like in the cityscape walking with the book or like at a cafe. It's a book to be seen with, right? Like it's like an art object and yeah, really beautiful use of illustrations that I'm seeing, which is, I mean, awesome, right? Because it's, I mean, I also love seeing that because I know work has gone into it. Right. Um, I think one, one thing that I often look for in books is like how much work went into it. So like for a handwritten type, if I'm seeing like, oh, you're just repeating glyphs, right? That's not a lot of work that's gone into it. But for those really gorgeously illustrated ones, especially where type is being interwoven with a design in some way, I think that is so gorgeous. How do you feel about the, uh, like, so this is, obviously this is Colleen Hoover. There's a mm-hmm. couple of Colleen Hoovers, but then there's some that are not, that want to look like her. And it's, uh, how would you, how would you describe that trend? Cause you see it almost everywhere where it's. Successful. I'd say it's a successful trend. You know, you know exactly what those books are, right? You know, exactly like, oh, like those are, I think they're, I, I saw this for two seconds. I bet those are like novels, romantic, like chick flick novels. <laughs> geared towards millennials, maybe slightly older too. Yeah. You know exactly what those are. It's great. Also, cause the type is so big, right? Like, you know, exactly like, oh, it's this title. Like I saw that on the screen and I'm able to just quick understand it. How was it like working with authors in that relationship? Cause obviously you have like, you're the expert, you're coming in with expertise, but is every single one different or is there kind of trends that you have to coach them on any experience with an author i mean really i think as a designer any experience with a client really it's just going to be so much more rewarding and honestly also less frustrating i think for you as an individual if you really approach it as like empathizing with them and what their needs are um and not making it like i need to prove to the world that i can make an amazing cover you know like that's not what's happening here um my my, I think I said this at the beginning, really my approach is I want them to be happy. I want my sales team to be happy. I want my marketing team to be happy and I need my print team to be happy too. So it's, I'm merely the communication liaison, making sure that we, with all those voices, we can come up with the best cover that we possibly can. So, yeah, I mean, all that being said, like, I mean, I have authors I text all the time, like, you know, I mean, it's just super, they're just um, just to be in publishing, to be in this world, I think you just really have to have a love for words. And so it's just a kind of good group to be with. I'm really honored and proud of that. Like many industries, books have been affected by the supply chain challenges over the past few years. It's increased prices on book jackets, plain white paper, and any enhancements to a cover design, like gloss or foil to make it shiny. Britney Spears has a new book that's coming out that they're delaying the printing on because there's not enough paper to print this book. I mean, it's it's insane. Um, so now we are adapting by like, we're doing more and more um, looking at local printers, like domestic printers in the US, um, some in Mexico we're looking at. Uh, it's it just, the, publishing is in this really interesting space right now because it really does feel like 
the way that things have been done for the last couple of decades is not going to switch. So yeah, I mean, it's a really changing industry because of what's going on, but it's interesting to see like the creativity that's going around making all that work. I think some of the best designs kind of happen when you're kind of in a box and you have to figure out what to do in that box and the box is changing. So it's interesting to see how we're adapting to it. Book covers are a glimpse of the possibilities of a story, a preview of what you can experience with a flip of the page. Creating a book cover is part art, part engineering of human psychology. They have the ability to summate a narrative into shapes, images, and texts in less than a square foot, all while enticing a passerby, like a billboard turns the head of a speeding driver. Why do you think book covers matter? Because of course they do. So next time you meander through the aisles of a bookstore or scroll down your friend's Goodreads profile, think about the cover and why did the cover jump out to you in the first place? You might discover that the cover becomes an intricate part of the story before you even turn a page. So yes, I'd go ahead and judge a book by its cover. Least Important Things is a podcast about the most important of the least important things in pop culture and entertainment. It's hosted and created by me, Luke Ferris, and executive produced by Jay Ferris. Logo and brand design by Curtis Felton. Again, special thanks to Meg Schmidt for sharing about book covers, the design process, and all the work that goes in to just have that first interaction with a story. Our conversation was so in-depth that I learned so much that I feel like you need to hear it. So I'm going to release our full conversation in a separate episode following this one. So stay tuned in your feeds for that. Obviously, we're reaching the end of the year and we have tons of great content and stories and ideas coming in 2023. Please check out our website, leastimportantthings.com. We have great articles on there. We have our scary movie series called the Haddonfield Movie Club, where we're going through the foundational horror movies in cinema. So whether you're a scary movie fan or maybe just uh, intrigued a little bit, go ahead and follow us in our conversations there. Again, if you haven't listened to all of our episodes, this is a great time, the end of the year, holiday, spending time with family, traveling, uh, to listen to our entire catalog from start to finish as we move into 2023. Thank you so much for listening and have a great holiday season. And until next time, thanks for listening. Uh-huh.